0: Hey everyone, Joe here. In this episode, I got to welcome one of my brothers back to the lounge, Steve Sinov. Steve is the Command Chief Master Sergeant of the 20th Fighter Wing at Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina. During our discussion, we talked about the importance of resiliency, vulnerability, and much, much more. Enjoy. Live, Learning. Leadership. The Lama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. I'm Joe Bogdan, and I am so excited to have one of my dear friends, a mentor, and a brother in the lounge with me today, Steve Sinov. Steve is the Command Chief Master Sergeant of the 20th Fighter Wing at Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina, and is an amazing leader and human being. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's going on, Joe? It's good to be back on. I I remember the
1: last time we chatted... um, I was down in, in South Korea stationed up at Kunsan.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. South Korea, South Carolina, almost the same, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The, the weather sometimes is the same, you know, hot, humid.
0: Yeah, <laughs> man, yeah. So so how, how are things over there right now in South Carolina? Um, there's a lot of, you know, we got this very new abnormal that we're all dealing with. And um, I don't think we've had anybody on from South Carolina yet. So what's things like over there? Very similar to the rest of the country?
1: It is, um, you know, I think we're all in the same place with uh, dealing with the COVID challenges and um, Shaw Air Force Base is uh, extremely complex. You know, we have um, our SENT headquarters here, mm-hmm. we have uh, AFSENT headquarters here, and, um, and now we have 15th Air Force here just transitioned from 9th Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of moving parts, really busy over here. You know, no one, I at least uh, didn't realize how busy this place was and Right. and um, all the different things that, that go on on this patch.
0: Yeah, yeah, I bet. I mean, yeah, just, there's so much stuff going on there. And, and the base itself isn't, like, around a bunch of stuff, right? But there's so much stuff going on the installation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, uh, we're flying combat lines out of here on 24-7, and we have a lot of uh, combat coded aircraft out here. So, you know, we provide a lot of combat capability to the warfighter. Um, you know, in small town Sumter, South Mm -hmm. Carolina. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. So I know you've been on the show before, like we talked about, but that was with like the rest of the triumvirate (laughs) and we didn't really get to know you necessarily. So I was hoping maybe you could share a little bit about, you know, where and how you might have grown up and some of the experiences you had and like what, what, what it is like you do now as the command chief of the 20th Fighter Wing.
1: So it it seems like just the other day, I, I raised my right hand, said I'll support and defend the Constitution. You know, originally born and raised in East Elmhurst, New York, um, came in the military right out of high school at 19, uh, had no desires of um, doing anything but four years. And and to be honest, it was extremely rough when I first came in. Um, did really well in basic training, uh, not so well in tech school, got into a lot of trouble in tech school. They kind of loosen the reins on you and, and give you a little bit more responsibility. So um still wasn't used to the military life so didn't do really well there mm. and then um stationed at Ileson Air Force Base Alaska as my first duty assignment you know 19 year old kid from a uh, big city new york to fairbanks alaska where it was about 40 <laughs> 40 degrees below zero you know was was kind of uh my my operational air force assignment but um yeah came in security forces and Um, stationed in Alaska and and trying to figure out the military life and, you know, being separated away from home. Um, Met a lot of good people out there. I I hated every single day of, of my time there, my, my first year and a half, I think just because, you know, I was isolated. I was, Mm -hmm. I um, had a hard time connecting with folks. Um, But, you know, met, met some good mentors, met some good supervisors out there that kind of steered me in the right direction and, and gaining a different viewpoint. I think I I fell in love with the Air Force probably two years into it. And, um, you know,
0: the last 21 years have, have been great. Man, that's awesome. I think, you know, I think we talked about this before. But, yeah, I, like, went to elementary and some of uh, my middle school time in Jackson Heights, Queens. So yeah, I lived, uh, probably not, I went to PS 89. So, so I don't know if we ever talked about that before, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> we have that in common yeah, that area. Yeah.
1: And, and I had no desires of joining the military. I, I didn't know anyone in the military from, from where, where I grew up at and, and, uh, was getting into a lot of trouble in New York and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, I didn't have anything, um, really set. Uh, I had, had no plans, um, I barely graduated high school and and uh, military, I, I bumped into a recruiter and he was like, hey, you know, great opportunity to get out of New York and do something different and travel. And, um, you know, like I said, I was getting into a lot of trouble and I was like, well, military seemed to me like an easy way to do something positive in my life. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's what I did. I, I, I took a jump in a, a leap of faith and, you know, signed up and graduated uh, February 1999. And I was in basic training May 6, 1999.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know we're glad we made that decision and that's real cool. But you know, also like when, when we look at you though, like Steve as an experienced leader, graduated command chief, I think sometimes, we, you know, we think we see your success and then people just assume that it came without mistakes and a little bit of the R word resiliency. Right. <laughs> so I, I was hoping, man, maybe you might be able to share your perspectives and maybe some of your experiences along the way, like, because it's really easy for us to see somebody in a position like yours, like I said, and assume that everything just kind of went right along the way.
1: Uh, yeah, Joe, you know, it's funny because when when I talk to um, different groups and different engagements, you know, ALS or first term airmen um, or or different panels that I'm on, everyone always just assumes I, you know, I was like a good old boy and mm-hmm. and uh, did really great in the military my entire career. And that's far from the truth. You know, like I said, I've been in 21 years and um, and I I barely graduated high school. I literally barely graduated high school and um, in tech school, like I said, I got into a lot of trouble there. I, I failed all my tests in tech school. Um, I got into a, an altercation at the DFAC at Camp Bullis and I, I got washed back a week uh, for fighting and had a really hard time. And then I get to my first base and, and I didn't, I've never really been outside of New York and, and struggled hard. And I failed my first standing valve. So I was, I was literally like one foot out the door in the military uh, relatively quick. I had one good supervisor that, that kind of changed my, my, uh, my viewpoint because I was just used to everyone just yelling at me. So no one, it, it seemed like no one could connect with me. And, and, and the way I felt was that no one really cared. So I just kept doing what I wanted to do and and it wasn't working. I was getting into a lot of trouble. Uh, my resiliency factor was, wasn't very high, you know, cause, um, I don't think I believed in myself at that point.
2: Mm.
1: And, um, you know, I, I came in the military and I had a lot of baggage, you know, I got, I um, grew up without a dad and, you know, always wanted to have a father figure in my life never really had that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the supervisor that, that kind of changed my perspective. He was, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it. You know, he comes out on a post check and instead of uh, yelling at me and telling me, you know, the things I don't know and the things that I did wrong, he was like, Hey Steve, hop in my truck and, um, just driving around my area and he, and he, uh, established a relationship with me. You know, he, he wanted to know about my background and he wanted to know about, uh, what aspirations I had and, and wondered what, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to get out of the military. And, uh, he was like the first person to really connect with me mm-hmm. and, uh, change my viewpoint on things, you know, and, uh, after he established that relationship and that bond with me, you know, every day I came to work, I, I wanted to do do right not by not because of the military, but just because I didn't want to disappoint him. Mm, yeah. So That's, I think sometimes I think sometimes you know you have to establish the connections with people, find out mm-hmm. what their story is, and and uh, and then go from there. You know, everyone has different ideas of leadership, and you know you can read this book and hear this podcast and and um, you know kind of follow a checklist on leadership, but a lot of times that we forget you know the human element of it. Right.
0: Yeah. Just getting down to that connection piece, and I think um, it seems like there are so many reasons why people make excuses for not having that connection, right? Like if you were already seemed like a troubled airman, it seems like some people were just not going to make that connection with you. Whereas that guy did, right? And 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 it probably—I don't know if it was necessarily the defining moment that switched everything for you, but I mean, it was an important moment, right, for for you, and helped you get to where you're at today.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, so uh, I'm. I'm not going to say that I was perfect. You know, after I met him, you know, I I fell on my face a couple of times, but uh, he always had faith in me and he always, you know, kicked me in the butt when, when he needed to. And, and um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, like a a next day turnaround thing, but every single day that I woke up, you know, I tried harder and harder, you know, and I ironed my uniform and I studied my post-briefing and I, Mm I uh, you know, knocked out my CDCs and, um, kind of just changed my viewpoint. Like I said, it was, he wasn't a supervisor to me. He was more like a father figure. And then I went on from there, you know, and um, after I met him and um, worked with him for about a year, year and a half, he had PCS to um, to California and then I PCS to Aviano Air Base in Italy. Um, got married um, prior to leaving Alaska with, um, um, with my wife and kind of just took off from there. Yeah. And it's crazy too, Joe, because like, you know, I've been married for uh, almost 19 years and um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, the, the resiliency piece of it, you know, like a lot of people. And when, when they see me walking around, they, they, they assume that I have everything figured out. You know, I've been a chief for, for almost five years now and I've, I've had a very successful career and everyone just assumes like, man, this, this chief has his stuff together. But um, you know, me, like a lot of other folks, you know, we struggle with a lot of different things and, and I have too. When I um, when I when I got married and uh, went to live overseas with with my wife, you know she was pregnant at the time. So just trying to figure out life with going overseas to a um, you know to a new area. I had a line for a staff sergeant, newly married. My wife is pregnant.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know that was a, a big big change for me and a lot of responsibility. Joe and and I had a hard
0: time with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of stuff happening at one time. And I think I'm kind of experiencing something similar where going through so many transitions, you know, like I think that when everything's, you know, we didn't get here on accident. So we're able to deal with a lot of things that change. Right, but when everything is changing at one time, it's real hard to get your head wrapped around it and to be able to be able to be successful in those moments. And I think it's really cool that you're sharing that story because I mean, you think about it—you're going to a new country. Some people don't even know what that feels like; they've never done that before, right? right? So you're trying to adapt there. You're trying to adapt to your work center right? You're trying to adapt to, you know, the, the unknown of being a father, right? And then still probably trying to get to know your wife, right? I mean, you're still learning all these things about yourself. So I think that's, um, it,
1: and it all happened at once, you know, right? right. 21 years old, you know, yeah. trying to learn how to be a supervisor. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I grew up without a dad. Like I said, I, I didn't know what what right looked like to, to be a father, but I know I wanted to be a good one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so, so that was difficult. And, and, and I'm the type of person that I, I never ask for help and I'm the type of person that I, I don't let people know that things are bothering me. You know, I, I have that mm-hmm. stoic face and I walk around right. like I got it all figured out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, and, and I'll never forget, you know, there's, you know, I'm, I'm at the medical clinic and I'm filling out this checklist and they're like, you know, do you feel depressed? You know, circle yes or no. Um, And, and I circled, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, are you stressed? Yes or no. And I circled yes. And then, um, I turn in this form and they look at it and they're like, they look at that form, like no one ever circles those boxes, right? (laughs) you know? And, and then they're like, uh, sir, come with me. And then, you know, I'm surrounded by these doctors and they're asking me all these questions and, you know, being security forces, you know, you arm up on a daily basis. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And, um, and it was funny because, you know, they, they, um, went, went back and I talked to a mental health therapist and. And um, they took my arming authorization and they said I couldn't arm up for a couple of days because they wanted to evaluate me and, and, and check me out. And, and then they were, they came back, you know, and, and the medical system has evolved so much since then.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they come back and they're like, you know, well, what's going on? And I explained it to them and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm stressed, man. I'm trying to figure out how to be a dad and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to be a father and be a supervisor. And, um, kind of took a step back, and you know, we talked through it, and you know, had a couple more mental health appointments. But the great thing was that my leadership um, at Aviano, um, you know, I, it, they didn't treat me any different, you know, and they gave me time to to kind of work through problems, and and um, and I felt better, you know. And although I didn't have all the answers figured out, I I um, you know, I worked through some stuff, and you know, they gave me some coping skills and mechanisms to, to get through it and and um, it made me feel better, you know, and yeah. I, I know initially, you know, I, I was kind of, you know, at the point of, man, I, I don't want to say anything, but I can't deal with this. And something mm-hmm. just told me, man, like, check the box. Yes. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's wild. Cause I, I can imagine you standing there. Cause I probably I probably stood there too, like with the two, with your pen over the two boxes, and you're like, I don't know which one I want. I want to hit because I don't know what doors that's going to open for me. But um, but yeah, kudos to you for doing it and getting some help at the time because there's definitely a stigma to it, and there was definitely one back then for sure.
1: Yeah, and and you know, like I said, Joe, I I grew up in and um, I grew up with. And, and I, I kind of just lived my life of, you know, no one wants to hear you complain and no one wants to hear your problems, just deal mm-hmm. with that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think that's the right approach, you know, especially now, you know, we have all these different resources and tools available to us. And, um, I think my ego and my pride was, was the, my biggest issue, you know, mm-hmm. um, growing up and, and even in the military, you know, and, and after Aviano, I, I did really well at Aviano and I, I PCS to um, South Dakota and then a uh, completely different, you know, experience, you know, at that time, um, you know, my son had gotten bigger and, uh, been married a little longer, but, you know, still the stress of being in the military and then, um, you know, deploying downrange and, and taking troops downrange um, added some stress, you know, and, um, it just, it, it seemed like, you know, as you go up in, in, in the military and as you get more rank, they just keep piling more and more stuff on you. Right. And it's hard sometimes to say, Hey, you know, like, man, this is too much, you know, I need a break. I can't supervise eight people right now and go mm-hmm. downrange and be a father.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but there's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, you know, I, I need to breathe it or I need to take a break or I need to take a knee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've dealt with that my entire career, Joe, and and um, now I'm comfortable talking about it. You know, I wasn't as yeah. comfortable talking about it before, but um, I think you have to break that stigma, and you have to you have to let people know that you know you're human and, and you're not Superman and you can't deal with everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think and, and I think you hit on a good point about the ego thing because when I was going through my little thing that I'm dealing with right now, being you know going down range, um, you know, personal stuff happening all at one time and trying to work through it. I realized that it definitely is my ego that's making it hard for me to adjust or at least grow from the situation because like, you know, when like you said, I think when you're when you're usually the one that is helping everybody else, it's hard for, you know, our, sometimes our ego gets in the way of us needing help from somebody. You know what I mean? Like we're the ones that people are leaning on and it makes it real difficult to be able to get that help.
1: Yeah, because like for, for me, you know, I wanted everyone to, everyone to look at me like I have everything figured out and like I'm mm-hmm. perfect, you know, and, right, right. and, you know, the model senior NCO and the, the model chief and, mm-hmm. you know, being tough and resilient and everything. And, and that's just, that's just the facade, you know, like no one is perfect. Right. Um, we all have problems and we all have issues, you know, and there's nothing wrong with saying like, like and I can't do this right now. You know, I need to take a knee. Um, and I'll be honest, Joe, like I've, I've been away from my family a lot and I've, I've deployed, um, seven times and I PCS 11 times and, you know, I have two kids now and been married for a long time and this is my second command chief gig. And, um, and I still don't have it figured out, you know, and there's okay. sometimes that I, I wake up and I'm just like, man, like I feel like the, the world is just like caving in on me, you mm-hmm. know, cause I, I'm trying to juggle a million things and I don't want to let anyone down. Um, you know, and sometimes I just have to, I have to take a breath, you know, and just prioritize my, my time and prioritize the things that I have. But um, I don't, I, I think I realize now, you know, being a lot older is, you know, just put that ego aside and, mm-hmm. and, um, and just be truthful to yourself and, and to other people around you and, um, and then go from there.
0: Yeah, man, you know, and this is something that I wanted to kind of talk to you about because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot more and, you know, and you got to talk to the right person about it. And I thought this would be a great opportunity because I remember like when I was a young NCO and we were in formation and I remember us looking over at a bunch of senior NCOs, you know, they're cutting up over there, just joking. Right. And I'm like looking over there and I'm thinking there's only like one out of those six people that I would follow anywhere that have the confidence and, you know, that that I that have my confidence in them. So I think what happened like as I continuously progressed was I didn't want to be one of the other five. Right. So, so, you know, we talk about vulnerability and, you know, Brene Brown's doing a lot of work on it. And We're talking about more and more, but I feel like there's still a point where like, you're like, okay, how vulnerable can I be? And with whom, because I still need to, you know, at least exude, you know, that I have confidence as a leader so that, you know, I could effectively lead people in these different situations. So I was wondering, yeah, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm thinking that maybe you kind of gone through something similar or at least thought about it.
1: Yeah. So to me, I, you know, I work really hard and credibility is extremely important to me. So, you know, you, you know, some folks that are out there that, um, that are in, in certain positions and they get into the positions based off of different reasons and stuff, but you, you kind of look at their bio and, and and find out like what they did in their past. And you're kind of like, and that person has no credibility, like, you know, is not tested, hasn't really been in those um, uh, tough leadership positions. So, you know, I raised my hand for a lot of things because I cared about like the credibility and and, and uh, the reputation and stuff. So I, I took on a lot of jobs that I probably shouldn't have and deployments I shouldn't have because I wanted to be that credible leader. Um, But what I've realized is that, you know, you don't necessarily have to do every single thing, you know, your troops and your subordinates and, and your peers, they just have to know that they can trust you and Mm -hmm. that, that you're honest and, and um, that you'll take care of them. Um, And honesty is important. You know, there's, if you don't, if you don't share your, your, your weaknesses and you don't share your um, imperfections, then I don't think you're a credible leader. And I don't think Mm -hmm. that that you're going to get the buy-in that you should because we're all going through a lot of the same things, mm-hmm. you know, and and we need to make sure that regardless of the situation that everyone, you know, to our left and our right that that we're working with alongside is operating at 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the only way that you do that is, is to foster an open communication with uh, with the folks that you work with. Yeah. We all can learn from each other, you know, like mm-hmm. Joe, you and I are very similar in a lot of things and, um, you know, and, you know, I'm sure that there's, you know, stuff that, that you probably think like, man, you know, if, if someone knew this about me, like how mm-hmm. would I be perceived? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. Because I mean, we're all like that, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for us to sometimes say, Hey, you know, we're not perfect. And, um, you know, we struggle with, with this or we struggle with that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, what's the important piece of like that connection thing you're kind of talking about is that we all need those people in our lives that we feel, you know, trusted confidants that we can share some of our inner things with, because it's hard, man. Like, especially right now with COVID man, I've been, you know, this is my second quarantine in a short amount of time. And it's easy to just get stuck in your own head, you know, and trying to deal with it without like talking to somebody about it. So I, I definitely think that, um, that having that trusted confidant building those connections and healthy relationships can help us. Cause like you said, all of us are, you know, none of us are infallible. All of us have issues and, um, and just sitting there stewing in it isn't going to help us get to where we need to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, um, I was really bad at Joe. Like, not, like I said, I've been married for almost 19 years. My wife has never seen me cry. Mm-hmm. 19 years. She has mm-hmm. never seen me cry. And, um, and I'm not proud of that. You know, I have a 17 year old son and, he's very similar to, to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he keeps his emotions bottled up inside and, and, um, and that's my fault, you know, because he knows his dad doesn't complain about stuff and he knows his dad doesn't show emotions. And, and I, I own that now, you know, and, and, and now I'm trying to fix that, you know, because, you know, my son models my behavior, you know, and, and I don't want him like that. I'm not proud, you know, that my wife has not seen me cry, you know, and, you know, I've known her 21 years. I've known her my, my entire military career. Um, I, I just kept stuff bottled up inside, you know, and it's just, you know, I used to look around at people that would be, like, smiling all the time and happy and joking around, and I'd look at them like, man, what are they smiling? What are they laughing about? <laughs> yeah. You know, because I just, you know, I had just so much stuff bottled up inside that I couldn't, I couldn't let anything else in,
0: yeah. you know?
1: And I feel better now, you know. Now I I, I smile a lot more and I, I joke around a lot more and mm. and uh, and I'm not as stressed as I was before. Mm.
0: Man, that I mean. So what are you what are you doing now to kind of help with that? You know, the, the resiliency skills that you can kind of put into action.
1: So I I I share. You know, mm. I, I I talked to some first term airmen yesterday
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for an hour. You know, and they were asking me some deep questions, man. And I felt like I was <laughs> in like I felt like I was in a, in a, in a therapist's office, you know, and I was just kind of unloading on them. And I was just, you know, they, they were asking me like, um, you know, what's my, what was the hardest decision I had to make in the military? And um, you know, what is it like to be, you know, outside the wire downrange, and, and and the emotions and stuff that you feel mm-hmm. and, you know, Five years ago, I'd been like, you know, I would have gave them a, a, a tough guy answer, like, no, nothing bothers me. And, you know, I'm out there to destroy the enemy and that's it kind of thing, you know, and I wouldn't share anything else with them, you know, but I, I talk a lot more. Um, and, and I'm just I'm I'm truthful and honest with the way I feel, you know, and I have no no shame in talking to a chaplain. And I didn't grow up, you know, very religious. Um but I have no, no shame with talking to a chaplain. I have no shame with talking to a MFLAC or a mental health therapist, you know, like, you know, I'll do that all day now. And, and I feel a million times better when I do um, just to let things out and to kind of walk through your emotions and, and
0: not just keep them bottled up inside your head. Yeah. That's powerful. And, you know, it it makes me think about it because I think you can even do like those proactive checks, even though you're not maybe in that moment, you know, of a down, you being down or whatever it is. Because I was listening to um, Israel Adesanya talking about that, the style bender in UFC. And he was talking about how after he won the championship, the next day he set up um, an appointment with a therapist. And they're like, oh, was anything wrong? And he was like, no, I just know how I can get when I get real high, I can get real low. So I just went yeah. to you know it was like it was like a a proactive check and i was like man that's really mature of him you know he's he's young and i'm thinking man i never even thought about doing something like that
2: yeah,
0: yeah that's pretty yeah, wild. absolutely yeah so so when you you talk about like um you know in the family life how you're trying to you know shift maybe some of the um you know the bad habits that you might have helped develop within um like your son and stuff are those primarily just conversations that you're working through? Or how's that working out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my my son, he has a very stoic face. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, (laughs) and and he's, he's gone through a lot, right? So he's 17 years old, he's a senior in high school this year. Um, He's moved around a lot, you know, he was born in Italy, Mm -hmm. uh, lived at Aviano, moved to South Dakota, moved to Japan, moved to Texas, moved to Kansas, moved to Germany, and now is in South Carolina you know, so, you know, in his 17 years, man, that kid has not really, I say kid, you know, he's a young man now. I mean, he's mm-hmm. taller than I am and has more facial hair, um, <laughs> but he's, he's moved around a lot and, and he hasn't been able to make those lifelong friendships like normal kids would, you know, mm-hmm. not, not being associated with the military. Um, So he doesn't really talk to a lot of folks, you know, and, 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 and now with technology and everything, you know, he's, on his phone so he doesn't really establish those human connections yeah and i've been gone joe a lot you know my Mm -hmm. daughter's five right now and i've been gone for three years for five years wow you know with with a deployment and two remotes um so i regret some of that stuff you know and I, i haven't i haven't always been there for my son and and um you know just trying to establish communication with him and and you know, just let him know that his dad loves him and his mom loves him, and, and just, just talk to him about anything that's bothering him, you know, and, and my son, he's very, uh, he's, he's really into his in, in his head and he writes a lot. Hmm. So he, he writes a lot of poetry and I'll, I'll share some with you, um, you know, via email next yeah. couple of days, but you know, the stuff that he writes, I mean, it's powerful, you know, and, and you can tell, you know, there's probably been times where he's been depressed. Right. and probably times where he's been sad. And, and that's the way that he lets it out by, you know, writing poems and short stories and stuff too. But, you know, having those tough conversations, even with your kid, mm-hmm. you know, with your subordinate, with your wife, you know, it, you know, I think as, as, uh, as leaders in the military, you know, we're so focused on our career and so focused on what's in front of us. We forget, you know, who's, who's in the rear mm-hmm. and we forget about, we forget about or neglect our family members. And I've been guilty at that, not on purpose just because, um, you know, you're so focused
0: on the job. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, so many people can relate to that and then you look back on it and when you're in it, it's hard to see it, but when you look back a little bit and see, you have some perspective, um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. So no, I really appreciate you sharing some of that, man. Cause I think people need to hear that. Um, you know, whether it's NCOs senior NCOs kind of coming through and, and moving up, um, that we're all human. You know, we're all human. We have the same issues that they do.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, for all the military folks that are listening, it you know, and the folks that have the desires and aspirations of going as far as far as they can uh, in the military, you know, never, never forget about your family. You know, you mm-hmm. can have the most successful career do 20 2030 years in the military. If you're, you know, looking out in the crowd, you know, doing your retirement speech and that front row, you don't have the loved ones that that were there when you started, um, you know, then you're not successful in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, something else too that I think is that we need to remember that, um, ourselves too, right. Cause sometimes you lose yourself in that, in that, uh, in that grind and you start looking back and you're like, okay, so let's say you do a full 30 years, you know, you're still like, you know, 48 years old when you, when you're done, maybe even 47, depending on when you joined and, there's still like half a life hopefully to live and you look back and you're like, not proud of how you did it. You know, it, it's, it can be, it can be very demoralizing when you get to that point at that retirement ceremony.
1: Yeah. I tell you this, Joe, like when, when my wife told me that she was pregnant with my son and I told you, I grew up without a dad. I, um, I told myself, I, I want to be the best dad I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And I lost sight of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't grow up with a lot of stuff, you know, I, you know, I didn't. So I, I told myself I'm going to do the best that I possibly can to to make sure that that my wife, you know, is taken care of and that my son is taken care of. But then I lost sight of I lost sight of that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and to me it was like, okay, I'm going to do as best as I possibly can in the military, and I'm going to go as far as I possibly can. So, you know, I, I hit school hard, you know, mm-hmm. and I was going to school from when I was uh, E three all the way to E eight. Yeah. And I was just maxing out my classes every single year, just focused on school. And, and I'm thankful for the air force. They, uh, you know, paid for three associates, a bachelor's, two master's degrees. Um, and when I wasn't in school, I was deploying. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't deploying, I was on short tours Mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah, I, I made chief and I made chief relatively early. And, um, but I, I spent a lot of time away from my family, you know, and, And to me, I, I justified it and, and, and I said, well, I'm doing this for my son. I'm doing this for my wife. I want to give them everything they possibly could. I could. And one of the most hardest things that someone ever told me in my life was my son. And, um, you know, I came back from Turkey and I was away from a year and I came back and, um, you know, I I wanted to check on my son and just to make sure he was good and, You know, I can tell that he wasn't feeling well and, you know, he was like sad and I look in his eyes and I'm, and, you know, he, he obviously missed me and, um, you know, and I was preaching to him, you know, like Christopher, you need to, you know, do well in high school so you can go to college and you can do well. And, you know, and, you know, I've been away because I wanted to make sure that you're taken care of and your mom's taken care of and, and, and now his sister is taken care of. And he looked at me and he said, he said, dad, I didn't want any of that. He said, all I wanted was, was you. Mm -hmm. And Joe, man, like it almost broke my heart. Like I I was devastated because, you know, I lost sight of what was important Mm -hmm. because, you know, to me, I was just like, I'm doing, I'm doing all this stuff because I want to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. My son didn't care that I was a chief or that I was a command chief. You know, he just wanted his dad there, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I don't ever get that back. You know, he's 17 now um, and I'm 40. I don't ever get that time back, you
0: know? Yeah. No, yeah, that's it's very powerful, man. Now, man, Steve, I really appreciate you sharing some of that, like I said, because, um, you know, I think we just need to hear more stories like that and, and you know, people's experiences and perspectives, especially from somebody that, to me, I know I admire you and, um, and I admire you even more after you shared that because, um, like I said early on in the intro, I consider you not just a, a brother, but a mentor as well, man.
1: So I had this, um, the senior master sergeant, this E8, uh, that was sitting in my office in, uh, in Kunsan last year. And we're talking about stratifications mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he's sitting across from my desk and, um, he found out that he didn't get a stratification, um, mm-hmm. on his EPR and he was devastated and he was literally in tears. And he, um, he said, you know, my, my career is over. Hmm. And um, and I said, well, well, why do you say that? And he's like, well, this is my last opportunity. I, I won't make chief now. Hmm. And then I said, um, well, tell me about yourself, right? And he's telling he's telling me his story of of how he came to the United States with uh, with a book bag of clothes, couldn't speak English at all, and um, and now he's a senior master sergeant in the United States Air Force. And both of his kids got full academic scholarships mm. to, to a college in Florida. Yeah. And his wife's a registered nurse. And I'm, and I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, hmm. he's looking at himself like he's a failure mm-hmm. and he's looking at me like I'm successful because I have one more stripe than him mm-hmm. and a star on my chevrons. And I said, man, I said, well, what's, what's the measure of success? You know, my one more stripe than yours, and that star. And I told him, I said, You know, I look at you as one of the most successful people on this base because you literally came with a book bag on your shoulders and nothing else. And now, look, you have a, a beautiful family, kids, full ride scholarship, a wife that's a registered nurse, and you're going to retire an E8. Mm-hmm. You're successful. Right. You know, like, what's the measure of success? You know, like, I think Mm -hmm. you can retire at E6, you know, with, with a happy, healthy family, man, and, and, and and you're successful, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we just, we chase things that we think are important,
2: right?
1: You know, and we focus on materialistic things that aren't, I have to have that brand new Mercedes. I have to have that $400,000 house. I have to have those $300 sneakers, mm-hmm. you know, like that's all stuff that's irrelevant, you know, focus on what's important your family.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, if you don't, maybe, you know, some people don't necessarily have a, what you consider a traditional family, but there's a lot of things that, you know, that are important. Right. And, and they just got, we got to figure out what those things are to us. So yeah, for sure. So, Hey bro, like you, So you went from when we were together at Spang and then you transitioned to the Wolf Chief, and then you came, you know, now you're the Command Chief over, you know, in in Shaw. What are some, I know you talked about how your your thinking has evolved over five, six years when it comes on a personal level of resilience and everything else, but are, are there some things that you feel like your leadership perspectives have evolved from those experiences as well?
1: Yeah, I um, I try to see like, you know, what's the intent and like, what do we really want to get out of something, right? So, you know, like working for a wing commander, I understand what his, his vision is and I understand, you know, like where he wants to take the wing or a wing. And then I don't get too focused on like micromanaging every single detail of it because, you know, different positions that you're in, you have to, Sometimes you have to give, sometimes you have to compromise. Sometimes you have to adjust your leadership style mm-hmm. to kind of turn that entire ship into one direction to make sure that it meets like your commander's intent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's really just, you know, establishing those relationships with all the different people, adjusting your leadership style to different folks. You know, just because I'm a, a command chief doesn't mean that people have to adjust to me. Right. You know, I have to be able to adjust to group commanders. I have to be able to adjust to spawner commanders group superintendents, the squadron superintendents, the first sergeants. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of guide and shift them all into one direction to meet the boss's intent, you know, to, to uh, get to where we need to be. And relationships matter. You know, you can't, you can't run an organization by your position power. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be influential. You have to be inspirational. You have to be uh, willing to get your hands dirty and, and to work alongside the team to be successful and to be productive, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're an E1 or an O10, every single person is vital to the mission. And we need every single person to be operating, you know, at hundred percent capacity. And sometimes we have to take a step back and say, hey, look, like we're pushing this team extremely hard right now. Um, And maybe if we took a little bit of a break, you know, we'll we'll take a little bit of a mission, Mission loss, but in the long scheme, of, you know, in the in the long stretch, we'll be we'll be better off um, than what we're at now. So, just kind of changing your philosophy, changing your leadership style, and and um, you know, thinking
0: about the long term picture versus like the short term gains. Yeah, that's some great advice, man. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Steve, this is a great convo, bro. And I love catching up with you every time, man. I really do. Uh, and we got to do it more often for real.
1: Yeah, Joe, I feel like, you know, I've, I've listened to your podcast before and I, I kind of feel like I'm like I'm uh, like I'm all dark and gloomy over here, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, usually there's a lot more jokes and stuff. Um, wow. But no, I I, I I love chatting with you, Joe, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're someone that that I respect a lot and and. Um, and you're a hundred percent, every single thing that you do, you know, if I could offer you some advices, you know, breathe a little bit, you know, take some time <laughs> and, you know, it's good to relax and, and, and take a knee every now and again, mm-hmm. you know, but um, you know, a lot of folks, you know, they, a lot of folks look up to you and a lot of folks look at, at, uh at you and, and other leaders like you and they're trying to go hundred miles an hour, just like you do. Yeah. Um, You know, not everyone can do that. So it's sometimes it's good just to, you know, take a breather and, and relax a little bit and let people
0: catch up. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And actually I had a, a close friend tell me that. And then today I actually took a break. This is pretty much one of the only things that I'm doing. And um, and to me, this is not work, you know, this is just a f- fun conversation with a buddy, so. Um, yeah, and, and you, you
1: you were saying about resiliency, like having conversations like this, Joe, yeah, with you, makes yeah. me feel better, you know? You and know. Mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily need to, you know, be laying down on a therapist couch but sometimes just having a conversation you know, a truthful conversation with someone that you respect, man, could, you know, and work miracles.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, bro, whenever we wrap these up, we, we like to end with what we call the leadership rapid fire. So, I was going to give you a series of four questions, if you don't mind, and it's however you want to interpret it and however you want to answer them. Cool. Can I plead the fifth? <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> <No. laughs> <No>. Got it. <laughs> all right. Question My stress level
1: just went up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it'll be it, it'll 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 return back to normal after this baseline, all right. Okay. all right? All right. Question number 1, what is your favorite leadership trait?
1: Uh, my favorite leadership trait. I'd say credibility. Okay. Credibility, okay. you know, like from what I've seen and and from what I've seen if you're a credible leader, people are going to respect you. And if you're a credible leader, people are going to want to
0: follow you because they know that they can trust you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Question number two, what is your favorite quote? My
1: favorite quote. So, you know, born and raised in New York, um, music means a lot to me. My favorite quote is, uh, stay far from timid, make moves when your heart's in it and live Mm -hmm. the phrase sky's the limit. Hmm. Hmm. And that's from the greatest rapper of all time, Christopher Wallace, <laughs> a.k.a. Yeah, man, Biggie Smalls. Smalls.
0: <laughs> awesome, man. So I might have to put that song on right after we get off here. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, what would be a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader?
1: So, Joe, I, I, you know, I know you read a lot, and, and I do too, so yeah. you, you can see all, all my books here. I'll yeah. say pick, pick one out. Um, yeah. I think uh, Moving Mountains is, is a good read right now. Okay. Um, it, um, our messenger or messenger is mm-hmm. the, um, is the author and, and he, uh, I mean, he's a mountaineer, so he climbs all these different mountains and he, uh, he climbed Everest without using oxygen and wow. it's about struggles and challenges and, uh, you know, just life lessons. So, yeah. and this is a guy that's climbing, you know, a physical challenge and mental challenge. So, um, uh,
0: definitely someone mentally and physically tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving mountains. Good read. Sweet. We'll make sure we add that to the show notes in case anybody's interested. And the final question, this is a deep question at the Llama Lounge. We're all about life learning and leadership. So how does Steve find his harmony between life learning and leadership? My family. Awesome.
1: hundred percent my family now, you know, um, you know, Spang I think was a good example, you know, um, I used to drive about an hour and 15 minutes every single day in the morning, an hour and 15 minutes back um, because I spent a lot of time away from my family. And I, I, I promised my son and my daughter that uh, if I was in the same country, I, w- I would say goodnight to them every single day. So mm-hmm.
0: uh, my family is what keeps me grounded. Yeah. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. And like I said, Steve, you know, I know like you had mentioned it could be it's therapeutic for us to have these conversations and I feel the exact same way and um, I look forward to having more of them with you as we continue our journey bro. All
1: right Joe, stay safe.
0: All right. We'll chat. Yeah, for sure. And you know, to all our listeners as always, be safe, stay healthy, and the llamas are out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast.
1: Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.